Welcome to the Doctoral Mentoring Masterclass for faculty sponsored by Walden University's Office of Research and Doctoral Services. I'm Lee Stallander, the Associate Director of Faculty Research Training at Walden. If you're a Walden faculty member and would like credit for listening to this Masterclass podcast, please make a note of the code that will be given during the session and email it to me. I hope you enjoy the masterclass. Well, welcome. My name is Lita Downs, and I'm with the Office of Teaching and Learning Excellence. And I would like to welcome you to Walden University's third doctoral mentoring masterclass. The masterclasses are designed to allow faculty who have been identified as exceptional mentors to share their experiences and insights with the mentoring community here at Walden. Today's session will be Fostering Positive Relationships. The purpose of today's session is to develop a series of strategies for how to create positive relationships with students, other faculty, and administrators. At this point, I'm going to turn things over to Dr. Lee Statlander. Welcome. Thank you, Lita. Um, could you go to the next slide, please? Thank you. Um, I'm Lee Statlander, and I'm the coordinator of faculty research training in the Office of Research and Doctoral Services. So let's introduce our panel members of exceptional mentors. Bob? Yeah, my name is Bob Lavasser. I'm in the School of Management. I've been with them for about 20 years now, initially as a full-time faculty member, and now as a part-time faculty member, doing lots and lots of mentoring and teaching. Awesome. And Glenn? Uh, I'm Richard Penny, and I'm a, a senior contributing faculty member over in the uh, College of Education and Human Sciences. I've been with Walden since 2007. And Leslie. Hi, I'm the administrative coordinator for the program coordinator for the nursing PhD program. And I've been with Walden for 10 years. And um, mostly what I do is chair dissertation committees and mentor students. Very good. So let's start with kind of defining our terms here. So what does the term positive relationships mean to you? Anyone want to be brave and jump in? Sure. Uh, thinking about it, it's sort of, to me, it's being able to work productively and collaboratively with people. Right, and to develop trust, uh, develop a good communication base with someone, a student or, or another faculty member, so that you communicate clearly in writing and when you talk to each other. And Lee, when I think about that, I think about some sort of theoretical underpinnings that appeal to us, you know, as scholars. Sure. And, and one is uh, that concept of emotional intelligence. I think that's a, cre a key component of um, demonstrating positive relationships and building positive relationships. There's a lots of pieces to doing that. You can find lists of them. Um, but, you know, one is, um, you know, uh, uh, that in, is involved in you know, demonstrating emotional intelligence is practicing um, empathy. But another, others have to do with knowing oneself and using, you know, metacognitive skills and self-reflective skills to understand one's own emotions. Um, but I think that is a great way to think about it. 
Another body of work that I think is really relevant, and that's the work of the humanistic psychologists such as Maslow or Carl Rogers. Um, Rogers wrote extensively on positive, you know, uh, you know, this positive approach to dealing with other people. And I think that's the key thing is, um, is absolutely taking such a humanistic approach. Very good. So now let's move to thinking about mentoring students. How does this idea of positive relationships relate to mentoring? Well, I think when you first uh, have a student that comes to you that you're going to chair their committee or be on their committee, you have to kind of get to know them and what their background is and where they're coming from with their ideas. And um, a lot of times kind of calm them down with their, uh, their excitement for their topic or their nervousness that they might have um, and just listen to them. Uh, like, like Glenn was saying, and listen to them and see what what they want to do with their their research topic and kind of hone, help them hone down their topic to a researchable question that's feasible, uh, that's meaningful, and, um, and 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 then let them get to know me that I'm not just a virtual person somewhere in Florida, um, th- that I'm really committed to them to to be successful. I want to see them through their dissertation. And I want them to finish and not be an ABD and to let them know what my philosophy is in terms of how I'm going to support them and how I'm going to guide them. And they need to know that I'm going to give them a lot of feedback and whether or not it's the feedback they always want to hear, um, but it's going to be honest feedback that I'm going to give them. And, and we have to develop trust so that they trust what I'm saying to them is not just to make them work harder, but to make everything better and to make it a very solid study. Well, I'll jump in as well. You know, I agree with Leslie. You know, there's one part that I talked about already, which is, you know, empathy and and emotional intelligence. But the other thing is that um, to really build a positive relationship with students, you have to bring value. And that means being and taking the time to be truly expert um, as a, a scholar interested in research and in the uh, an expert about that student and expert about um, what they're doing research. And often that means doing homework so you can catch up with that student and provide sage advice where it's needed. Bob, any thoughts? Yeah, too many. <laughs> I, I agree with uh, what Leslie and uh, Glenn have said, and I just pick a couple things out here, but uh, along the lines of uh, people knowing that you're an expert in a sense, bringing that to the, the, the table, uh, I find that you know, providing that kind of, uh, first, that besides engagement so that they're there and know you're there and are, know you're paying attention is giving them that kind of feedback that they deserve. Um, what I mean by that, you know, that it's clear and it's direct and it's uh, it, it relates to the issues that they want to deal with. It's timely and it's actionable. And uh, I think if people know from the beginning that you're reading what they're what they're putting out there and you're making your best effort to bring your knowledge to bear on what they're trying to figure out, uh, you begin to really develop the kind of relationship that uh, becomes very positive 
very quickly. Yeah, I just want to add one other thing in there, Lee. When I talk to a student, I, I to to dovetail on what Bob and Glenn have said, um, I try to tell them that I'm I'm going to be their best friend through all of this and to guide them and to give them honest feedback, a lot of feedback, and try to give them specific comments. But they're not going to like everything I say, so I give them the spectrum of best friend to worst enemy because they can't be happy with me some of the time. Um, and, you know, sometimes you have to have difficult discussions, and I've had those difficult discussions with students who are adamant about doing something that I know isn't going to work or isn't feasible or doesn't align. Mm-hmm. And and you just have to say no, based on my experience and what I've done, I'm telling you right now, that's not going to work. And but if you think it's going to work and you can justify it to me some way, then I'll listen to you again. But, um, you know, that's where it, it's almost a parental role sometimes where you have to say no. But mm-hmm. I give them that I give them that range so that they're prepared mm-hmm. in case we have to go there. But most of the time we don't. I agree with that. It's, it's, you know, it's one of the things I look back, I was talking to uh, to Holly Rick, our coordinator, just a few minutes ago about other things about students that we're working with. And it it was the, and she asked me about a class I'm teaching, uh, which is um, qualitative, advanced qualitative reasoning. And uh, in all three classes I've taught in a row, it's always there's always somebody like Leslie just described. I've seen them in a lot of different types of classes, but especially they just won't let go of some preconceived idea and that it's got to be something that somehow Walden and its beneficence and its magnitude will embrace. And those are the challenge, some of the challenging ones to give that feedback early in the process and to help them understand that it's it's meant to help them not go down a path that will otherwise require them to backtrack and spend a lot of time that they shouldn't have to spend. And I think learning how to do that well, uh, you know, is is one of the hallmarks of being a good mentor, is being honest and straight and knowing how to actually not just say that's not going to work, but help them figure out how it's going to work precisely what you said, Leslie. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I thought Robert put it really well. He says, knowing how to do this feedback is one of the hallmarks of being a, a good faculty member. And because probably you know 80% of the work we do with these students often is that that feedback process the iterative feedback process and so uh, uh, explaining to the students like Leslie talked about you know what's the purpose of this feedback how am I going to give it to you but also striking I think striking the balance and it's all and I always struggle with this I have to come back and make sure I'm reading that feedback before I send it off it has to strike it can't be all negative and okay. um, it has to be include a couple things, things to praise, but optimism for the future and and explain to the student, you know, even though there's still a lot of red ink in here, I see you making progress and I'm optimistic about your ability to get this job done. And and that has to be repeated because all that red ink often stands in the way of the student feeling like you care. Yeah, excellent. I totally agree with that. Yes, excellent point. Uh, it yeah. makes me, I thought it's something that was said earlier, I think it might have been Leslie that mentioned it, but uh, it was about being a guide. And one of the things that helps me is I, uh, you know, fairly early on, I use analogies 
uh, to get us all thinking along some familiar lines rather than academic lines about how to think about what we're doing and, and talk about my role as a guide. And, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, just uh, being the someone who says, go here and do that. But the person who's going to accompany you on this fairly difficult journey that you're going to take with whom, uh, if, and if I'm on it and, and we're working together, your odds are pretty good, very mm. good. And if, if you go it alone, they're not so good. Right. And we need to work together, but I'm on your side. I've been on this journey a lot of times. I love this kind of thing. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to working with you to, to achieve your jolt, goal, to make your great journey to wherever you want it to take you. And so I think if you have the, the just creating two, a juxtaposition of two things, the positive and negative, in the spirit of what Glenn said, it's constantly, I think, in their minds that I'm here for the long haul. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this is because it's like I'm, I was telling them, yeah, I know you wanted to go on that trail. It's got a terrific waterfall. I can tell you right now, at this time of year, you are not going to be able to get across you know, to the other side because that's going to be a raging river. So we've got to go this way. And then if they trust you, they're going to go the other way, the way you describe. Yeah. Right, and that raging river can be to solve every problem in the topic that they can possibly do with one dissertation. <laughs> Just doesn't work, right? Absolutely. Right, right. Absolutely. You know, Robert talked about being a guide, and I think uh, another piece of helping motivate students and serving as that guide is every now and again, you know, coming back to the, the purpose of it all. You know, why is that student pursuing a doctorate? What's the end goal of what might happen as a result? And having those conversations uh, every now and again so that we're working with the end in mind and helping that student visualize themselves um, with the, you know, having achieved that and walking uh, through graduation. Um, and, you know, because that poor student is in this thing for years and it's easy to lose sight of, you know, so why did we start on this journey? Absolutely. We had a question from Janice about how do you work with students who don't seem to be listening, where you give them feedback and they just move ahead with their work without addressing what you indicated needed to be done? So they went ahead on the path and ignored what you were saying. Mm -hmm. How would you address that? Well, uh, go ahead, Robert. Yeah, you know, I don't want to. My first thought was. It, to me, it somewhat depends on whether they're taking a class or they're, they're actually on the dissertation journey. If they're taking a class, they say, well, there, there's a reason why there are A's, B's, and C's, you know, and after a while, I can just point out that, you know, uh, discussion is going to be, well, if you want to pass this class and move forward or get a good grade or a really good grade, you have to do the work. But, but if you don't want to do it, that's fine. I'm going to have to grade you on what you've done. But if it's mentoring, then it's a bigger issue, right? It's really, if they're not going to do the work, then they have a serious problem. But the question is how to raise that with them in a, in a positive way. And I'm not sure I have the, all the answers to that. Perhaps you folks have some. Yeah, it, it's very difficult when students are adamant about what they're, they're wanting to research or what the problem is, and they won't listen. Um, and, you know, you ask them to justify what they're doing or they ignore your, um, your feedback. And I, 
when I get feedback, when I get uh, drafts from students, I, I always have the former copy so I can see what I said the last time compared to what they're, they're doing this time. Sometimes they leave the comments there and sometimes they don't. But I know what I said last time. And if they keep ignoring me, I will say to them, we need to have a phone call mm -hmm. to discuss why you are not uh, addressing my comments. Because after the, the, the third time or so, I tell them you're starting to waste my time mm -hmm. and you're wasting your time and your money uh, with tuition because you're not going to make progress unless you're going to listen to me. And if we, we can't come to some type of uh, you know, agreement here of, of what, what are you missing or how can I help you? Um, we, we have to have a serious discussion about really what you're, you're trying to accomplish here because you're not moving forward and you end up with a you. And sometimes that wakes up a student when you give them a you in the, the, the 9,000 dissertation course, that's mm. what it is for nursing. Um, like, Oh, I really am not making progress. <laughs> And maybe I really do need to listen to what my chair is saying. <laughs> right, right. So, um, you know, we have to, I've had those discussions where I say, no, if you, you just say no. You have to get to that. That's where I become the, the worst nightmare. I will say, no, that's not working. You're not justifying it to me. And, and what don't you understand about that? And how can I help you understand it? And sometimes I'll bring in the committee member to help. Maybe I'm missing something. Uh, that that they can pick up on, so uh, that's a strategy that I use as well. Yeah, uh, you know, Leslie, uh, you rely on that direct feedback, and I think that's a big part of it. Not being afraid to use the grading system, you know, the the term plan and the midterm reporting and the midterm warning of a risk of a U. Those all are tools that can come into play, and I find that meeting with the whole committee and maybe even including the URR. So it's not just the chair's voice, but it's a unified, the, the, the committee speaking is one voice. Sometimes that can penetrate even for more, some of the more difficult students. Now for the everyday student, I do something like you do. And that is that um, I, I ask them to always work from the draft I sent back to them, keeping my comments intact. And I tell them that I'll delete those comments when uh, they've met the concern or suggestion. And if we're struggling, I ask them to add a comment of their own as they address each one. And that doesn't help with every student. It doesn't work with the, you know, the toughest ones. But for most of the students, it keeps us honest and accountable to each other. And, um, and, and just from a practical standpoint, it helps me provide feedback more quickly because I can just concentrate on the problem areas I flagged before and I don't go through and I don't read that 80 page document in its entirety every time it comes. Yeah, I agree, I do the same. So we've been talking about how positive relationships apply to students, but I'd like to take a few minutes at least to talk about how does it apply to faculty? And how do, can you create a positive experience with other committee members and faculty? Well, I'll start with one thing, and that is that I believe that the principle of academic legality is one of the most fundamental principles of universities. And it's just really useful for us to remind ourselves of that. Am I, are my words supporting that principle? Are my actions supporting that principle? And it goes a long way. Right, I'll, I will use um, 
my committee members as and discuss issues that I might have with a um, with a faculty about a student if there are issues that I'll, I'll use their expertise. Um, my best example of that is um, you know a long time ago when I was in my PhD, the there was no qualitative courses, and um, I've never taken one, so. Um, I always tell everybody I know just enough about qualitative to be dangerous. And so I really rely on my methods, my qualitative methods people to help me with those studies in particular, but all the faculty who are on the committees with me to help me when I, um, you know, to solve a problem with a student. And I think sometimes we get to the point, especially as chair, when you've read a draft of a proposal or a chapter 10, 12, 15 times, if it's taken that long, that you lose a perspective. You, you, you might under, you're almost in the student's head. So I asked a committee member to um, help me with that. What am I not seeing here? Why isn't it quite coming together? And, and establish that uh, teamwork that you need on a committee, because that's why we have more than one person on a committee, because you need a couple brains of expertise to help you with that. Um, so that's what I do with the committee members. And, and, and in terms of other faculty, I am the PD reviewer for prospectuses for the nursing PhD program. And um, the great majority of prospectus that come through aren't approved the first time. So I give a tremendous amount of feedback to help the student and the faculty to see what isn't aligned or what isn't there, what needs to be there, and give them examples. I have uh, templates sometimes that I use to help give feedback. And then I um, tell the student good things and uh, things they need to improve on to help them pass it the next time. And then I send all of those comments to the faculty members as well. And sometimes meet with the faculty members if they don't understand what has to be done to help the student pass that prospectus stage. So again, we go back to communication and trust and a lot of feedback. And sometimes I'll spend two and three hours on a prospectus to give the feedback that needs to be given to help that student get through from the PD reviewer standpoint. Yeah, I have uh, uh, been thinking about uh, this notion of working with other faculty. And one thing that, that uh, I don't think we've talked about yet is sort of how you, how you blend or mesh or uh, uh, find a way to, to complement each other. And uh, it takes a little, you know, it, it, some of it is a discussion about how you work and, and, you're, and, and uh, you know, that you do when you first meet a, you know, the new person, if you haven't met them. And another is kind of uh, comes from working and then realizing that, for example, this person is an expert uh, chair and an expert in quantitative methods. And so you realize, well, if you're going to make a difference there, you sort of have to pick up on some of the things that they maybe don't know, like they don't have a lot of Walden knowledge because they're adjunct faculty, perhaps, or they don't uh, they don't realize how important form and style are in terms of how we actually look at the quality of a document. I'm constantly telling my students, hey, you know, it's almost like this is paraphrasing. I mean, this is not really what I tell them, but to, to get the idea across, it's kind of like you're skating now, you know, we're really not giving you a too hard a time on this, but it will get more and more important as you go. So I'm going to point out some of your APA style errors, be they spelling grammar related or actual, you know, solid APA style things like citations or whatever. A few of them, an example maybe of each in some of your initial postings, you get the idea 
that you're not doing it perfectly. And, and it's just a little bit to shake them up, but also because I want them to know how important it is. And I've often done this with several faculty members, a great faculty to work with, but not strong in that area. And we have a terrific relationship because they know that they're not seeing it. I'm going to be there looking at it. And, and the students prepared to get feedback from both of us so that there's none of this. Well, the chair didn't flag it going on because you have a good chair that you're working with. So that's just one thing I wanted to throw out there. I think it's this complementarity that we all search for. We don't want to be repeating stuff. I don't want to be telling the master that that, that he's not doing, he's not writing the hypotheses right, or so he's not having the students. I mean, it's, you know, come on. I know how to do it. He knows how to do it. There are different ways. I'll go with his way. It's fine. If you follow what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Right. Complementarity. We had a question about how do you deal with like a second committee member or a URR that like immediately returns a paper and says it's fine and they have no comments. So you know they probably didn't read it. How can you deal with that? Well, the good news is that I think that that's becoming very uncommon at Walden. Um, uh, we, uh, the university has been selective around the faculty it hires and they've done, uh, you know, we've had a lot, a lot of, um, uh, professional development for us and in the years I've been here um, I've just seen tremendous growth of the quality of our faculty and so it doesn't happen much but but I think the principle you'd apply is a lot like what we've been talking with the students and that is just um, good respectful direct communication with that other um, committee member and hopefully ahead of time one thing we've been doing in the Riley College is that there's an expectation that particularly when we, we're working with a new committee member, that we have a Zoom meeting, you know, right when we get assigned. And we start talking about sort of our ground rules and our mutual expectations, and that can head those things off. Yep, that's a really great idea. Um, and I, I might just email and say, uh, especially if it's a first time review, uh, there's got to be some comments in there because as chair, I know I don't, I know I don't see everything. Uh, I know I have to miss something in there. So I'm, I'm, I'd want to tell the committee member, I'm depending on you to show me what I'm missing and what the student can do better. And so it, there's got to be something in there. There has to be a typo. There has to be an APA error. There has to be something that you can make a comment on to make this better. Because I tell the students that 99% of the time in preliminary review, you're going to get it not met. And, I, and to expect that. Um, so that when we go to rubric analysis, that hopefully goes through um, with the committee member and, you know, we wait for the URR. So um, it's, it's kind of disappointing, uh, very disappointing when I don't get any feedback because um, I'll just ask the faculty member or the committee member what, it, it can't be that perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked if it is. So I, I kind of approach it that way. And please, please tell me what we can do better. Because if it's not caught now, you know, hopefully the URR is gonna get it. And, uh, the, the, and the, that leaves the student confused um, that, well, well so-and-so said it's okay. And now I'm over here and I've got all of this, all of these things that are wrong. So we're doing a, a disservice to the students when you rubber stamp it or, or just scan over it. You know, um, I, I, another thing that we can remind faculty members of is if we don't give 
real meaningful feedback and that puts the university at legal risk. I think everyone knows that uh, the university gets sued by students with some frequency. And if, if the student can point to places where you know, members of the committee not really doing their jobs, then that uh, adds uh, uh, fuel to those kinds of things. Great point. One other thing I wanted to bring up, Lee, on the, on the other spectrum is when a student goes through and gets a lot of feedback from a committee member, and I know we're not perfect, we don't see everything every time, but the student addresses or we address the concerns of the committee member or the URR, and it goes back a second time, and then that person says, well, I found something else now and sends it back. And that's very discouraging for the student because like, why didn't you somebody see this the first time I've spent five, six weeks, you know, re redoing this. It's a half a quarter. Now it's gone by. Now I've got something else yet to do. And um, it's it, after it, ha if it happens twice, that's bad. But sometimes I've had it happen three times and that's very discouraging. So I have to have a calm a conference with that the committee member in the URR and say, look, that's another legal issue. I think that the student can really complain about because you know you're. It's almost like we're playing a game here, and that's not what we want to do. Uh, you got to you know we make mistakes. We sometimes miss things, but um, we've got to be as thorough as we can and not deter the student from progressing. Yeah, on that point, I think. You know, some of the faculty, I, I really don't know how to say this, except that believe that if, if you're going to hold a student up, uh, it shouldn't be for small things that you've discovered on another review. You should be able to say, look, fix this, but I'll be passing it, but we need to fix this before we go to the next level and then see that right. it gets done and not say I'm not passing it. And, and, you know, this is like a small version of a bigger problem with sometimes some of our faculty are very, very fastidious. And, uh, you know, that's good to a point. And uh, when you run into the reality of, of the process that we're in, sometimes it can be problematic. So I, I think that it's good to, to get people to, the, the faculty who, who get that point and move forward and get with the program, I think are, going, are, are good faculty and will be around for a while. The faculty who don't uh, create problems for us in the university and the students, because everybody makes mistakes even the final documents, <laughs> good students. I have a good student who keeps coming. I found a mistake in here. You know, how many times do we go over this? Well, <laughs> so there's plenty in mine. If you want to feel better, you can read mine, but that isn't the idea. You know, it was very excellent work. There always are going to be mistakes. So I can't see a faculty member holding anybody up if all the dot, uh, the I's are not dotted, all the T's aren't crossed. Talk, dot them, cross them or point them out if, you're, if that's beneath you, but let them go and we'll fix it. Keep going. Hi, this is Paula Moore. It's my first time on. Sorry for um, lateness. I had a issue with family. Nevertheless, um, this particular issue with regards to um, returning documents with new edits. I don't know if they're doing it piece by piece, or this time I'll just look at the problem and the next time I'll look at the theoretical part. I don't know, but it happens, in my opinion, too many times. 
I've had students have their prospectus bounce back for their title. So I don't know. I'm just it's a little. That it, it gets very discouraging, Paula. It's, it's a good point. Uh, and, and again, we're not perfect and we don't catch everything the first time. But, um, you know, we have to remember that these these are this, these are first time researchers and it's not going to be perfect. Goodness, if I looked back at my dissertation from 1989, I find mistakes in there and I don't even want to open the book. It wasn't online then. It was in in the book that I have bound on my on my uh, bookshelf here. And um, so we, we have to there's there's the minimum standards that they have to meet. And some students aren't going to be at the top. They're going to be minimum and it's going to be OK. It's not going to be great. You know, when you get to the end and you have we have to we grade them on a scale of one to three, they're going to get all ones for average, but they passed. So we have to um, make the decision that they've they've met those minimum standards and they can progress and finish because I've certainly gotten better over the time when I've con conducted more research rather than um, just from my dissertation. I, I learned from my mistakes and, and get better. So it's a good no. point you make. Thank you. In most of Paul, in most of the colleges, um, and, and Leslie, you can tell me if your group does this, but if a prospectus is going to be turned down, it goes to a second blind reviewer who doesn't know who the first reviewer was. And there has to be consensus before it's turned back. So, so my tendency as a chair is to sort of respect that process and say, you know, they put several heads together uh, to make this decision. And, uh, you know, I should, you know, uh, take it seriously. I've rarely found myself a situation where I've, I wanted to, to quibble with the prospectus reviewers. I don't, yeah. I'm the one that does that. When I'm on the committee, I have, uh, Dr. Long does the uh, prospectus reviews, so I don't review my own. And then if we happen to be on the same committee together, our program director, Dr. Moss does the reviews. So we've got that system set up, but we don't have a, a second blind reviewer. It's, it's just me <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> You know, I saw, uh, Lee, I saw down in the chat, someone was at, uh, 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 I think Diane uh, was talking about the low hanging fruit sometimes that we try to clean up before we go to the finer detail. Mm -hmm. And as chair, I do that sort of thing. I often will tell the student, you know, right now, while we're working on the fundamental framing and we've got bulldozers and cranes on the job site, we're not going to fuss with paint and wallpaper. And as long as the students understand what I mean by that, I think that goes pretty well. And I come back and work on form and style stuff later. I never do that as URR because the URR role is different. The code for Masterclass 3 is JSON 520. I often find that if there is a lot of APA and spelling and grammar issues, it's really hard to see the real issues going on in there for me. Do you right. guys have that experience and how do you deal with that? Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I totally believe that we should, that the, the, the product that we're trying to get them to develop should be excellent, both in content and form, formatting, form and style. Uh, and that comes from my own training, but uh, it's also something I've always understood. 
I worry sometimes that we, if we don't give students that message early on, that they will not later on understand why it's taking so long to get through reviews because they, and they, they have, haven't actually learned any of the stuff they needed to learn as they went along. And so I think it's important that we, um, that we give them that feedback early and in the process in a way that they can understand without holding them back too much. But I will have, if I'm reviewing, I'll have, if I'm a URR, for example, I'll have uh, the student completely redo something if it, if it hasn't got good form and style the first time. So they know that they're, they have got to bring it up to speed. And then I get an indication of where they really are in terms of form and style. And if they're doing really well, they'll self, they'll do a better job each time. They'll keep learning and getting better. And if they're not, then we know where they're kind of reached the level they're going to reach. Then I put that into my decision-making as to how far the press. So I might say, yeah, we'll pass it. Keep working on the form and style. You know, you'll have someone to tell you more about form and style later, but you may be tired and not have a lot of time to take all of that into account, which I believe is what happens after the form and style review. For some people, it's very helpful. For others, they're so far behind, they're not going to make it happen. So I, I agree with you, Lee, that I have a hard time reading something. So partially for me, I have to get it straightened out so I can see what they're saying. Uh, because right. I can't when there's you know, multiple different meanings from everything they say because they uh, the way they've written it. It's confusing. So that's my opinion. Right. Or I'll refer them to the Academic Skills Center, the Writing Center, to take a course if they are giving me incomplete sentences yes. routinely or APA styles really poor because I can't I, I can't be an editor. I can't be that much of an editor. Um, that's not our job. You mean some editing? I do. I do some. I probably do more, a lot. I do a lot more editing probably sometimes than I should but I try to help them and show them how to write. And if that doesn't work after a couple of times, they've got to take a course or, or get some extra help because I can't, I can't write it for them. Um, I've actually had a student ask me at one point in time, a couple of years ago, when I was going to have their review of literature ready for them. And I said, <laughs> I have, I have written my dissertation. This one is on you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Well, I have a question. This is Laura. Yeah. Um, I, I think about the students that are super sensitive. I love all the techniques and, and approaches and really kind of I'm hearing a consistent proactive approach. But what about the students who are, are just super sensitive and, and uncomfortable with critique or students? You know, I've thought about students that always say I'm used to getting A's. Um, any are there any tips for helping students just get comfortable with that iterative process? Right, I don't know. Comfortable is a high bar, and, <laughs> and, and you know, and in fact, uh, warning the student: this is going to be uncomfortable. Getting the doctorate um, is really a hard thing. It was hard for me. I think it was hard for all of us uh, at some point along the line, and so that sharing and, and storytelling. Can I tell you a story? One time, my professor did this, and here's how I felt. And so I think that's that's part of it, and acknowledging it's uncomfortable, and saying, "But we're going to have to practice this, and and it may become more um, uh, 
at least less uncomfortable, as, you know, as we do it. And, and, and then remind people why, you know, that it's with their best interest at heart. Oh, that's a great way to put it. I've always loved examples <laughs> when yeah. professors have shared that. Yeah, that's that's a great, uh, yeah. uh, great suggestion. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with what you said, uh, Lynn. And also want to add that I think it's really important for us to identify this as soon as we can. And the signs are generally right there. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm a big believer in being available to students. So I'm telling them, you know, here's my phone number. Call me whenever you need me. Here are my office hours. If you, if I'm not available, I'll call you back. But you know, if it's really important, you call me. And I also then am able to call them from time to time when they give me their number and say, hey, you know, in this case, it feels like, you know, you're taking this a little bit the wrong way. It wasn't intended. And we get the discussion going. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that everything you said, it would be part of the discussion. So I'm not going to repeat it. It was well, well put. But uh, it's on us to, to be really sensitive to that because some people, they, they just feel like they can't make a mistake. They're perfectionists. I was one. That got beat out of me fairly early in my <laughs> college career. But it, it, it was a hard message at the time. I always remember that. So I could tell them stories, like you said, of a professor did this or this happened to me. I think that's a really good way of getting them to, right. to understand it's not them. I said, hey, it's the point you're at in the process, I'm often saying to them. We all made those mistakes at that time. And then we all learn from them. And you're looking at uh, somewhat of a finished product. When you're looking at what we're doing, we're not done yet. We're, we're, we're still learning and growing, but you'll be like that or further along, much further along before you know it. When you finish this process, you'll be quite amazed at, at, at how, uh, very, uh, how very effective you are in all these areas, you know. Anyway. One of the things I, I, I say to students and when I uh, visit residencies with them, I tell them that, yeah, I, I hear from students that they get A's in all the courses. How come they're doing so poorly or they get so much feedback to improve on their, their proposal or their prospectus? Like, well, in your courses, uh, you know, you can get A's and you can write well and you're learning to write well. But at a dissertation phase, the writing, the writing level amps up more from mm -hmm. what your courses were. And it's a higher level of writing. It's a different, it, you know, you have to adjust to a way of thinking on just your problem statement and your proposal and make it as crystal clear as you possibly can. And that's what I'm as a chair is trying to teach you how to do and help you with. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to make you better. And I've had them on the phone crying. Um, I've had them in, sound like they're in total state of shock. Uh, when they get back their first set of feedback. Um, I've even told them if they need to, you know, put a picture of me on the wall and throw darts at it, it's okay. Because that <laughs> might take out their frustration. But that when we walk, when they walk across the stage and I get to hood them, um, hopefully someday we'll do that again. Um, that's going to be the best feeling they have. And it's, 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 um, it's a process where they have to get, they have to get tough, I guess. It's part of it. And Alfie, I see you have your hand up. We only got a couple minutes left, so a quick one. Yeah, just quickly, uh, you know, I hear all of you and I say, you know, it goes back on my clinical background. So you think of adaptive behavior skills or adaptive behavior skills. You work with the hills uh, and not with the valleys to improve the students' uh, learning, but according to the environment. So you have a person with a disability 
you don't want to make him comfortable in the entire world, but only in the environment he or she lives in. The same as our doctoral classroom. And I think it's a nice way now how it's stated in the new prospectus class, uh, what we were just discussing, that basically scholarly writing expectations for dissertations are different than from the coursework, where each paper is a start to finish project and you get a grade on. A dissertation is longer over a duration of a couple of years. It needs different uh, hills to be developed. And each student acts on it in a different fashion. Uh, just by the way, I had a new dis uh, prospective student coming into the class. Three times she didn't respond to the meet and greet uh, uh, call. I found her phone number, I call her, and she's just telling me she doesn't like to engage in any peer discussion or faculty discussion. She's just turning in what needs to be turned in, and that's how the way she learns. So the next day, I get a request that she wants another chair. I hadn't even talked with her, uh, but she remembers two years ago, the writing uh, feedback she got in her cultural class was she couldn't understand why she was not up to the expectation of me as instructor. Well, she was obviously not up to it now and she didn't want any feedback. Again, we can do only so much. We can help if the help is appreciated and if we break through to a given student and we should never give up on a student. The student may give up on us, but we don't. So again, <laughs> good point. That, oh, yeah. wow, yes. Yes. The writing skills are totally different. And we, the student and we, have to uh, adjust our expectations, feedback, and uh, the student uh, has to be more open to different feedback, more frequent feedback in the dissertation journey, all I have to say. Thank you. Well put. Well put. We are out of time. So I'm going to just thank our panelists so much for all of your great ideas. And I know we're all going to be able to use this information. Um, we had a lot of good comments in the chat area. And I hope that we can address those in future sessions. They got some ideas for future topics from all of those. So thank you. That's great. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Thank you very much. This podcast was sponsored by Walden University's Office of Research and Doctoral Services. Our music was by Excel Music Publishing, licensed under Creative Commons.